God's people, it has been the great honor of my life to serve you as your assistant pastor. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. <clears throat> but when they saw it, everybody say they. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anyone or taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. That means I'm going to give back four times what I've taken from them. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's praise the Lord for his word. Our title for this time is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Now at this point in our text, the ministry of Jesus is in full swing. He has been preaching and teaching in all of the synagogues around the regions of Galilee, Capernaum, and Judea. Everywhere he went, Luke says that reports about him spread throughout the entire region. Everyone had either heard of or was talking about this man named Jesus. In Mark 6 and 53, it says, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they had came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him. They ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Now, he might not have even been there, but to wherever they heard Jesus was, they went and they laid out the sick. Wherever he entered into villages or into the city or into the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Everybody who touched Jesus was made well. Everybody who was sick and about to die of a terminal disease or illness was made well simply by touching Jesus. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd of the sick, the lame, the hungry, the disenfranchised, those who were searching for something, even those that just wanted to see what was going on, that just wanted to see this man they had heard so much about. And everyone that touched him 
was healed, there was always a crowd. He would sometimes have to get in a boat and preach just off the shore and let the wind carry his voice to the multitude because there was always a crowd. Sometimes he would have to go to the mountains by himself just to meditate and pray. Sometimes he even had to go to the disciples. Y'all chill here. Just back up. I'm going to go up here. Amen. Pray and meditate. And I'll see you later. Sometimes he just had to get off to the mountaintop just to meditate and pray. Just to get away from it all. So by the time he made it to Jericho that day, his reputation had preceded him. And again, there was a large throng of people almost sweeping him along. There were some in the crowd that believed the stories that they had heard about Jesus and they wanted to get close to him. There were some that didn't believe and they just wanted to see what was going to happen, to see if they could catch the trick in his hustle, see if they could get somebody who really had not been sick and that were saying that they were healed. There were some that, Jesus, that hoped that Jesus would be the one to help save the children of Israel from yet another hated enemy of God's people, the Romans. Just like they had seen God deliver them from the Egyptians and the Philistines and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and those, some of the other groups. There were some that were hoping that Jesus would be the one to deliver Israel from the Romans. There were some that needed to be healed. There were some that just needed a touch from the master. Oh, there were many reasons that there was such a large crowd on that day, and no one today could agree on what everyone there that day was thinking. But there was one thing that everyone there in the crowd could agree on. One thing that everyone there in the crowd had in common. And that one thing was that they all hated Zacchaeus. Now, we are told three things about Brother Zacchaeus. First thing was that he was a chief tax collector. Second is that he was very, very rich. And third, that he was very, very short. I can imagine that Zacchaeus probably had a very tough time growing up possibly ridiculed all of his life because of his size, and he was looked down on figuratively and literally. How many times in his life had he been rejected and put down? How many times had he been made fun of and called names? How many times had he seen that young lady that he may have wanted to talk to and had his heart broken and his affections Rejected when she would always turn around and say, Well, I like a taller man. You just, uh, I, I need somebody who I can look up to in my life. Uh, you just too, you too short. Never accepted, never respected. He may have even had kind of a, a Napoleon complex. I mean, who can be sure? Sooner or later, he may have began to resent his people as much as he wanted to be loved and accepted by them. Sooner or later, he may have wanted them to pay for the pain and the rejection that they had caused him. And through the Romans, he saw his opportunity. You see, at this time, the children of Israel have just been conquered by the Romans. Through force of arms, the Romans have turned the children of Israel into subjects of the Roman emperor, who I believe may have been Caesar Augustus at this time. It is no secret that every good Hebrew hated the Romans with a very special passion, and they viewed them as pagan foreign invaders that was forcing them to worship a false god. The Roman Empire would demand a tax from all of their subjects for the glory of Rome and the emperor. And they would employ tax farmers or tax collectors from within the conquered people, within the conquered people's ethnic group, to collect the tax from every subject of the Roman Empire in that area. 
This, of course, made the tax collector one of the most hated people in the Jewish community. Think about how you feel about the IRS. Every time I get my check, I look up first at that line, okay, the federal government has taken that much of your check, and then the state has taken that much of your check, and then we're going to take this much just because we can. I, amen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But think about how you feel about the IRS and then multiply that by about five, 600. And then you have the idea of how the people felt about the Roman Empire. Nowhere in the Bible is the title tax collector spoken of positively. And you can look. <laughs> Nowhere. You won't find anything good about tax collectors in the Bible. Matthew 5 and 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? The tax collectors were looked at as traitors to their own people. One of the lowest forms of life. Leeches who profited off of their own people's pain. They were Uncle Tom's. They were considered unclean to associate with in the community, and because of their connection with foreigners, they were also not allowed into the temple to worship, as if their worship would have been accepted anyway. They were among the most hated people in the Jewish community. But because they were representatives of the Roman Empire, so to speak, they were pretty much untouchable. If you assaulted or killed a tax collector in the execution of their duty, you would be crucified as an insurgent against the Roman Empire. So the people of Jericho hated Zacchaeus. I picture them spitting on the ground and whispering a curse every time he passed by or they said, his name. Now, Zacchaeus in our text is said to be a chief tax collector. So he had tax collectors working under him. He was a little man that had some power, and now he was going to make them pay for years of real and even imagined or perceived ridicule and abuse. How many of you know that sometimes there's people out there that just want the world to pay for the hurt. In fact, they say hurt people hurt people. You know, so all of this pain going on in the world can be tied back to some other pain that's been passed on and passed on and passed on. But he was going to make them pay, literally. He became rich by making them pay. He and his crew could stop a person and tax nearly everything in their possession. A cart could be taxed for each wheel. It could be taxed for the animal that pulled it, for each item that was in the cart, for each person that was riding in the cart with the items that he could tax. He could tax that. Whatever was going on in Jericho, Zacchaeus made sure that he got his cut. He would send to Rome the amount that he had bid for the right to tax, and anything over that amount, including the interest, he was keeping it for himself. Oh, it was the ultimate shakedown, the ultimate protection racket. He had all of the money that he could want, but it still didn't satisfy him. Something was missing. He was extremely rich, but still, something, something wasn't quite right. Something was wrong. Zacchaeus was alone. He was sad. He was hollow inside, and he was hated by his people. He was hated by his own community. See the man today with millions of dollars in his pockets. So much money that he can't even hold it all. So much money that he doesn't even know what to do with it. The real estate agent says, I can sell you a, a multi-million dollar house, 16 bedrooms and 19 and a half baths. I can sell you a house with acreage as far as you can see, but I can't sell you a home 
I can't sell you a home full of love. I can't sell you a home full of laughter and happiness, a home full of life. The rich man can buy the most expensive, blinged-out platinum Rolex that there is. And with all of that money that he spent for that watch, he can't buy time because we only have so much time. I don't care how much money you have, you can't buy time. The credit card company tells us in their commercial to chase what matters. But what really matters can't be bought with a credit card. Well, Brother Zacchaeus had it all. He had all the money that he could want, but he wasn't happy. Something was missing. So when he heard that Jesus was in town, it's, it's hard to know what he may have been thinking. But for some reason, some reason, he really wanted to see who Jesus was. You all still with me? Maybe he heard how this man had healed the sick and raised the dead and how he may have fed a multitude with only a boy's lunch. There was, there was no way to know for sure, just a bunch of rumors. But for whatever reason, Zacchaeus really wanted to see who Jesus was. And he tried and he tried, but he could not see Jesus because he was too short. And he could not get through the crowd to get close to Jesus. I wonder how many people in the crowd saw Zacchaeus trying to get closer to the front and they wanted to get a little bit of payback, you know, for him taxing. They may have given him a good elbow to the side of the head or somebody stomped on his foot or, you know, gave him a good shove or a kick, you know, in the chaos of the crowd, you know, just get a little payback. Amen. In any event, it seemed that the crowd was unanimous in their intent to keep Zacchaeus from getting to where he was trying to get. But he was smart, Brother Zacchaeus. Always a step ahead of the crowd. Always knew how to be in the right place at the right time. It's what made him rich. In his desperation, he saw the route where Jesus was going through the middle of Jericho, and he went and climbed a sycamore tree and waited. Sometimes you have to be in the right place if you're going to see Jesus. Sometimes even though we know that there's nowhere we can go to where Jesus can't see us, sometimes we have to climb up a little, a little bit higher if we're going to see him. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to climb a little higher. So Zacchaeus has climbed up to where he knows that he should be. After a while, Zacchaeus saw Jesus. There he was, walking, smiling, and touching people, not too far from where the tree was where he was in. Before he knew it, Jesus gets to where the area where he was, and he looks up straight at him and calls his name loudly, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. Now, for some reason in my sanctified imagination, I don't think that Jesus finished the whole phrase right then. I just think he said, Zacchaeus, come down. You know, to say that whole phrase in and of itself would be just, just too easy. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it would have happened that way. But I don't think that Jesus finished his whole statement at the same time that he called Zacchaeus down. So he's Zacchaeus, come down. And Zacchaeus starts coming down the tree. Can you imagine what Zacchaeus, or um, well, can you imagine what may have been going through Zacchaeus's mind as he climbed down from that tree and walked through the crowd? Everyone's staring at him. Zacchaeus is thinking, what is he going to say to me? Is he going to condemn me? It may have been a short walk, but I bet it felt like an eternity. Is he going to judge me? Is he going to to expose me like he's done to some of the Pharisees? Is he, is he going to open me up? Is he going to tell everybody what I've done? Is he going to just count down my list of things that I've done? Is he going to try to make an example of me? All of these things going through Zacchaeus' head. And the crowd, oh, the crowd, 
That same crowd that kept him from being able to see Jesus had to move aside and make a path for Zacchaeus to get to Jesus. When your name gets called by God, those same people that stood in your way are going to have to move. Oh, you know I'm right. I said when your name gets called by God, those same haters that tried to push you to the back, those same haters that gave you the elbow and tried to push you out of the way are going to have to move aside and make a path when your name gets called by the Lord. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise up in here. Now you know how much we love to see someone get a spanking when they've done us wrong. When Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down, I can picture the crowd thinking, ooh, yeah, Zacchaeus is finally going to get what's coming to him. Jesus is going to read him the right act. He's going to give him both barrels. Ooh, I can't wait. Zacchaeus is about to get his. I can see everybody in the crowd just leaning forward in great anticipation to hear Jesus condemn Zacchaeus. Then he says it. And then he drops the bomb. I must stay at your house. What? What did he just say? What did he just say? I must stay at, at your house? There was a grumbling. Somebody expressed so much surprise in the crowd. Why would the Messiah want to eat with a tax collector? They murmured. You see, man would have God give out justice and retribution and pain and punishment to those they don't like or don't approve of. But instead, he gives them mercy. He gives them grace. He accepts them. He loves them. If anything, the crowd should have been trying to help Zacchaeus get to Jesus any way that they could. But they looked down on brother Zacchaeus. They judged him, never really acknowledging the fact that they were just as in need of salvation as Zacchaeus was. To them, Zacchaeus had no place in the kingdom that the Messiah was going to build. They only thought that they were holier because their, of their, their sins and wrongdoings were not as open and commonly hated as Zacchaeus's sins were. How many of you know that there are some popular sins and there are some unpopular sins? No matter how popular or unpopular your sin is, we know that the wages of sin is death. No matter how popular or unpopular or common or uncommon your sin is, Christ came so you could have freedom from all of your sins. Amen? Now, the crowd judged Zacchaeus and wanted Jesus to condemn him, but to their confusion, to their disgust, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Oh, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Now, the crowd, like us, they all wore their mask. Some, sometimes we try to put our best face forward when we come before him or before each other as if to show him and the rest of us in the crowd that we have it all together. And we sometimes forget that we ourselves had to walk to an altar one day and get saved ourselves. We forget that sometimes that we were the one who was once in need of cleansing in need of prayer. Like those in the crowd that day, sometimes we like to give off the impression to the rest of the crowd that we were born saved, holy, and blameless. But God knows what you used to be like back in the day. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, back in the day. He remembers when you came to the altar and, and who you used to be and what you were doing when you were doing whatever with whoever, whenever, however, Back in the day, everybody look at your neighbor and say, back in the day. Amen. We all had a back in the day before that we don't want anybody to know about. Sometimes I think of me back in the day, and I'm like, oh, 
Ooh, did I do that? Oh. Back in the day. <laughs> we like to judge those that don't fit our idea of how they should be because they remind us of how we used to be before we found Jesus, before we found our sanity. But he came to save the lost. He came for those that we in the crowd might not have chosen to be lifted up. Oh, I'm just glad that one day he came for me. I'm just glad that one day I was lifted up. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise in here on the day. How many of you are glad that one day he came for you? Amen. However, one of the most, most important cast members in this story today is one of the most overlooked cast members in this account. The most silent member of the crowd, but the only member of the crowd that did the right thing. The only one that was a part of the crowd that actually did the right thing was the tree. I'm going to let that marinate for a second. Amen. The sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed upon to see Jesus. You see, sycamore trees are said to live more than 500 years. Some trees are said to live close to 600 years years old. God put that tree there hundreds of years before Zacchaeus was even born so that it would be ready and in the right place at the right time to lift Zacchaeus up so he could see Jesus. Oh, that lets us know that God has everything in place to help you get blessed and promoted before you even know that you even need to be looking for him. I said God has everything in place to help you get blessed, to help you get promoted before you even know that you need to be looking for him. Oh, somebody here needs to give the Lord some praise. Somebody felt that. Everything that you're going through right now, every problem, every tragedy, tragedy every situation, every obstacle, God has known that that was going to happen. And God put what you needed right there, even before you even were even born, even before you even knew that I need to be looking for the Lord. God already had it all set up. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise that he has already put everything you need. How many times did Brother Zacchaeus walk by that tree every day in the middle of fleecing God's people, not knowing that that was going to be what God put there to help him see Jesus? Oh, give the Lord some praise on today. Mm. But for those that are already a part of the church, already planted and in place, before those who are even hurting even get here, we have to ask ourselves a question. We have to ask ourselves if we're going to be like the crowd that sought to keep Zacchaeus away from seeing Jesus, are we going to kick someone out of our favorite seat or our favorite place when we know they probably need to be sitting right there in that seat so they can see Jesus? There's a bunch of people out there who have never heard the word, who don't know Jesus, who need to be sitting in that seat you're in right now. Amen. So how could you kick? Well, anyway, Bishop told me not to go in here beating up on people. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But are we going to kick somebody out of our favorite seat who may really need to be there to hear the word? Or are we going to be like the tree and lift up those who need to see Jesus the most? You see, we who already claim to know Jesus should be trying as hard as we can to help those who don't know him get as close as possible as they can to Jesus. Like the crowd that had to get out of Zacchaeus' way when Jesus called his name, we need to realize that Jesus has called the names of those who have come here. And when we are so concerned about our place close to Jesus, close to the front, then we are just like the crowd that kept Zacchaeus from being able to see Jesus. But I'm going to try to lift people up so they can see Jesus. 
I'm not going to stand between someone and Jesus when they come to church trying to get to the Lord. I'm not going to let my behavior or my, my attitude or my response to people get in the way of someone trying to see Jesus when they come here to West Angeles. Oh, look at your neighbor and say, be like the tree. Mm. But Zacchaeus, back to Brother Zacchaeus. We ain't finished with Brother Zacchaeus. But Brother Zacchaeus was probably just as shocked as the crowd was. Here is someone who he had heard had healed the sick, raised the dead, commanded the storm that wanted to come to his, the most hated man in Jericho, wanted to come to his house for dinner. You see, this we have to paint the picture a little bit more. You see, to eat with someone was a very special thing in ancient Middle Eastern Oriental culture. There was no restaurants, <laughs> no fast food joints that you could come up and go through the drive-thru, no supermarket where you could just go pick up a few pounds, a few steaks. Anything that they met, it took hours and hours to make a meal. You had to butcher that cheap, had to skin it, had to clean it, drain it, and then it took another few hours to cook it. You had to be there for a while. There was no, no microwave ovens. There were no ovens, you know, to be able to cook food. And to eat with someone speaks to trust that you will not be poisoned when at that house, for example. It has a lot to do with social status. You see, a person of higher rank and status can lift up the host with her presence simply by agreeing to break bread with that person. This is what Jesus was doing. The breaking of bread implies the recognition that at least in basic needs of life's necessity that we both need to eat to live. If the king decided to eat with you, it was because he was letting you know that I too am also a human being. Sitting down to eat something that I as a human being need to do to stay alive, that we are equal. Zacchaeus, spurned. Hated by his people, rejected at the temple, rejected in his community, rejected in the crowd that day, yet accepted, loved, and lifted by this man, Jesus. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. That when the rest of the world would judge you and cast you down, there was one out there who wants to love you and lift you up. And Jesus would have been telling the truth if he had said to Zacchaeus and pointed to him, Zacchaeus, you are a dirty, rotten sinner. Repent. That's what the crowd wanted. That's what most of us would have wanted. But instead, it's almost as if Jesus laid out a table for Zacchaeus in the presence of his enemies. Instead of condemning Zacchaeus, he said, let's go to your house. At that point, the religious crowd turned against Jesus, and they criticized him for spending time with a sinner like Zacchaeus. Oh, I'm just glad that I know that Jesus wants to spend some time with me. Aren't you glad that he wants to spend some time with you? when everyone else would cast you aside because of your past, you know? It's funny how God says, I'll cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, but those closest to you like to remind you of how you used to be back in the day, how you used to do back in the day, but Jesus will not judge you for that. <clears throat> so off they went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Jesus... Zacchaeus, the disciples who were probably trying to figure out what was going on right now, and the rest of that complaining, murmuring crowd. You know they followed him to where they were going because they wanted to see what was going on. They didn't care about Zacchaeus, but they wanted to see something happen. So here you have a bunch of people sneaking into Zacchaeus' house because he was a rich man. He had a big house, you know, so it was a party. And some of y'all who remember back in the day know that there's some people who love to sneak 
inside of a party. Amen. They know how to get past the bouncers. Amen. Oh, some of y'all going to act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. You done already forgot how you was back in the day, just that quick. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> but there he was, the rest of that complaining and murmuring crowd, hanging around outside and inside of Zacchaeus' house. I've always wondered what they did when they went to his house. Again, some of us would have wanted Jesus to say, now you sit there and I'm going to preach to you a sermon on the sin of stealing money. Or we would have wanted to, Jesus to smack him upside the head and say, come out. Demon agreed. Loose here. Repent. Well, stealing money is a sin. And Jesus did cast out demons on more than one occasion. But the word says Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to eat with him. I can see them sitting there sipping some, some juice, some grape juice, juice of the vine, and dipping pieces of pita bread into some hummus, and like they do in the Middle East today. And, you know, Zacchaeus was a rich man, so you know he had some good food. Maybe he had a little bit, some lamb, some oxen, maybe some, some fish, you know. You know, maybe, maybe some, uh, some dates and some olives. I can just almost smell how good that food tasted. Little feta cheese. I don't know if they were doing cheese back then, you know. You know. Well, in my mind, hey, man, they had some cheese there, you know. <laughs> but at some point, Jesus probably looked at Zacchaeus and said, so uh, how are things going on the job? And before he knows it, Zacchaeus is pouring out his heart to Jesus, confessing how he had been stealing from people, how much he hurt deep down on the inside. We don't know what they talked about. Jesus probably told him who he really was as a child of God. He may have told him that the things and the possessions couldn't make him happy, that only in helping others can there truly be happiness. He probably told him that the reason that he was so blessed financially was so that he could bless others. We don't know. We may never know on this side of eternity. But whatever they talked about, at the end of that conversation, I picture Zacchaeus jumping up and saying loud enough for everybody at the party to hear, hey, hey, stop the music. Y'all stop that. Stop the music. I got something to say. Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone through false accusation, I restore it Fourfold. I'm going to give them back four times what I stole from them. And you know that Zacchaeus kept good books, so he knew that he knew who he had ripped off in the past. Then Jesus spoke back to him, saying, Salvation has come to this house. Amen. That deserves some praise. Amen. You see, why was it that when Zacchaeus said that he was giving back the money that he had swindled, did Jesus say that salvation has come to his house? Does this mean that we could possibly buy salvation? Is it true? It is true that by giving to the poor, we show that we are doing what Christ said, to regard and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says that when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. But that's not completely it. That's not completely what we're talking about. The most important aspect, what really brought salvation to Zacchaeus' house, the one thing that made him give back to the poor and to those that he had wronged was his repentant heart. He had a turnaround. Jesus knew that it was his heart that was behind his decision to give back what he had taken. He saw that Zacchaeus was no longer, no longer wanted to be the man that he used to be. He wanted to be something more. He wanted to be better. He wanted to be a different man, a new man. And he was ultimately esteemed more highly than those in the crowd that looked down on him. He was a new 
creation. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise that you can be new. Oh, hallelujah. You see, we come here to the house of the Lord, but how many of us would really like Jesus to come to our house? He says that I stand at the door and knock. And if any man or woman answers, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And let me tell you something, beloved. When Jesus comes to your house, he always brings the best stuff with him. Amen. Your cupboards can be completely bare. Nothing in the fridge or the freezer and everything will be just fine. Your pantry can be completely empty. That's all right because Jesus is going to bring everything you need. He showed up at a wedding feast and turned water into the best wine that they had ever had. He took a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 men, not even counting the women and the babies. When the Spirit of the Lord came to the widow's house through Elijah, her barrel was always full of meal and oil, and that was during a famine. He can take nothing and make it something. You need to let him into your house because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is love. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is power. There is victory. There is everlasting life. Oh, somebody in here give the Lord some praise on today. Whatever you need, whatever you need, Jesus has it. Oh, let's worship him on today, beloved. Hallelujah. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's Continue to play softly. Everyone in the house of the Lord, stand up. Oh, come on now. Just rest on your feet. Amen. All eyes closed and all heads bowed in the house of the Lord. And so Zacchaeus climbed above the crowd so that he could see who Jesus was. And like Zacchaeus, it seems that with everything that we've been through in life, you can remember in your own life how you've had to climb. Some of us have had to climb above addiction. Some of us have had to climb above adultery. We've all had to climb above what we've done and been in the past. And the things that we have done that if counted, they would stand as a great crowd of accusers and accusations between us and Jesus, trying to keep us from him. But we have climbed. 
we have climbed trees of hope. We climb trees of our worship. We climb trees of our conviction. We've come to this place. We've all climbed just so we can get a glimpse of him. We have all climbed up here and we are looking to see who Jesus is and he calls us all to come to him. And he wants to come to your house for dinner. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been, you too are sons and daughters of Abraham. You too are sons and daughters of the promise, the promise of life and life more abundantly, the promise of peace beyond all understanding, the promise that even in the middle of life's greatest struggles, that he promised to never, never leave you, the promise of life everlasting. For I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone would answer, I would come in and sup with him and he with me. I love you. God bless you all.